0: Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unstrictly Business. I know I say this every time, but this episode is one that I am just so pumped to share with you guys. I've actually been wanting to interview this founder for a little while now because I have just been admiring her from afar just for the overall idea of her business and the values behind it, but also for her marketing strategy and just her leadership. And so I knew that she was going to be an incredible guest for you guys and I'm really excited to be finally sharing this with you. Today, I bring on Steph Hahn, who is the founder and CEO of Cadence, which is a brand of sustainable and expertly designed travel containers. If you haven't seen them, I would strongly suggest going on their website, which is linked in the show notes, because I just think they're beautiful and I have my own cadence capsules that I use on all of my trips and I was just instantly pulled in from the design. But Steph's specific story began on one of her climbing trips where she not only struggled to fit her curated skincare routine into those little plastic travel containers we all know and likely dislike, But she also struggled to fit the poorly designed disposable containers into a lifestyle where she valued things like sustainability, individuality, and top-notch design. Eventually, Steph and her team went on to test over 200 prototypes before making it to the first magnetic and refillable travel container that is completely made from recycled ocean-bound plastic. Each capsule is equal to one travel size water bottle's amount of plastic that will end up being collected from beaches and recycled into all of the capsules that they make. But the only thing was that there wasn't yet a market for the reusable travel containers that Steph envisioned. Despite this, in a world with brands like Hydroflask and Pyrex, we've made it known that there is a market for reusable eco-conscious containers And Steph had an educated hunch that there would also be a market for Cadence. As it turns out, there were a lot of people who were sick of the plastic travel containers in their local drugstores and were looking for a solution that they could love for life. Cadence ended up reaching profitability less than a year into business and since their launch just two years ago, have been featured in numerous publications like Forbes and the New York Times and sold to customers around the globe. Steph shares so much goodness in this episode, from her career change to... What it takes to be a founder on a day to day basis, and how she was able to raise over $400,000 from 100% angel investors, and so much more. I just felt like this episode, we could have cut it off like 20 minutes in, and we would have gotten already so many good pieces of advice and guidance. But Steph was really so open with what it's like to be a founder and the things that have really helped Cadence grow. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let me know what you think welcome to unstrictly business a podcast where we interview business owners about everything that helps them succeed from business advice to self-care and everything in between i'm your host callie and each week we'll share a new episode with behind the scenes content that reveals what it's really like to run a successful business Hello Steph. Thanks so much for coming on Unstrictly Business. I am so pumped to hear more about your story and be able to share your story with our listeners. So thanks for being on with us today.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, really glad to have you. So one thing that I am really interested with your story is just kind of the transition that you made from your life pre-cadence and then post-cadence. So I would like to take us back a little bit to when you were younger and hear a little bit about young Steph. Were you always creating business ideas? Were you always interested in sustainability or was this something that just kind of came into your life a little bit later on? I will say
1: I did not know being an entrepreneur or founder or director was anything you could be when you grew up when I was young. But when I look back, um, I definitely see the connected dots when I was younger. I love sh- setting up shops in my own home. I would um, often grab my parents' things and I would set them up as if it was a garage sale in our basement. And then I would sell them their own things back for actual money, which I always like to joke about. And um, I was always creating. I was always very creative. I liked putting on fashion shows for my parents, convincing my Friends, when I was very, very young, to join me in these, you know, after-school adventures, um, and so when I, you know, look back on all of that, nothing has has changed that much in terms of what brings me joy and what energizes me.
0: Yeah, I love that. I always love hearing the little creative ways that kids just express themselves and <laughs> selling back your parents' things to them. Where they. Were your parents in the business world at all or what were, what did they do?
1: So my mom is a career coach. So she is someone who works very closely with people, works with executives to people right out of school and helps them figure out what they love to do. So I was very lucky in the sense that I had a mother who always reminded me that, you know, doing and following your dreams is quite important. My dad he had a huge pivot. He was working in IT. He is an immigrant from Hainan. And so he always had that entrepreneurial bone, that hustler in him. I mean, from working at Chinese restaurants, he used to say he never had a day off in the summer and he was working around the clock to eventually making his way to IT. Eventually he pivoted to actually being a personal trainer. And so that was his moment of following his dream. He loved sports and athletics and then could finally pursue something that actually brought him joy. And so they both eventually ended up having their own small practices. So I would definitely say that entrepreneurial spirit ran and runs in in my family, just at a a different scale and a different type of adventure.
0: That's awesome. It's interesting how they kind of transformed their lives when you were probably thinking about, because were you in high school when they were doing this or...
1: Yes, it was later later in my life when I was in high school. And so seeing them was, was very, um, I'm sure, impactful.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go to college, were your parents influential in that decision at all? Or were you just kind of following psychology and dance, what you were already interested in?
1: Yes, yeah, so I was, again, very lucky to have parents who always emphasized that, Giving it one hundred and ten percent was the absolute best you could do I definitely I was a good student, but it 's because I worked very hard and so when I chose my college, what I wanted was choice i didn 't know what I wanted to do for my career yet, and so I knew that I loved the arts and dance, and I thought that I would be interested in psychology and so I went to Skidmore College, and their mantra is, Creative Thought Matters and it was the absolute. Perfect place for, for me to go and learn how to be an adult, if you will.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing. I think that's what we need a little bit more of in our college culture in the US, just being able to explore. Because I think at 18, it's so hard to know. Like you probably didn't imagine that you would be running the business that you're running right now at 18 years old. So I think that's nice that you had that chance of exploration. Um, So I would love to hear a little bit about post-college. You ended up working in film production. How was that for you? Is that when you really fell in love with climbing? Because I know you worked on two climbing-related films.
1: Yes. So I was graced with the climbing community earlier in my life. So it was one of my first jobs. I worked at a climbing gym as someone who would belay people, you know, you can come in, you know, pay for four belays. And I was the person, you know, with the harness, you know, yelling encouragement at you from the bottom of the wall and telling you that you can do it. And so that was my first job. And because of that, I got sucked into this incredible community. Climbing is international. It is Um, wonderful in the sense that you can walk into any gym anywhere in the country or the world, and you'll immediately have people who you connect with. And so I fell in love with climbing, and that was a big and became a really big part of my life and my friend group. And post-college, I worked at Big Up Productions, which, yes, is the kind of premier rock climbing film company, both in documentary filmmaking and then in marketing for companies like Patagonia or Red Bull. And so it was kind of this merge of two things that I loved. I obviously loved climbing. And then in college, I fell into taking a documentary filmmaking course. And in doing that, it was actually one of the first things where I went, oh, I actually have a a knack for this. I I really love this. And it encompassed all the things that no one ever tells you as a skill set, which is bringing people together, inspiring groups of people to brainstorm and think and create together, making crazy things happen, being relentless, calling around, getting people to invest their time. These are ambiguous skill sets for a generalist, and I am certainly a generalist, and no one in our society, I would say, you, you never get recommended to follow or pursue a director's path or a founder's path, we are very focused on specialists, you know, a doctor, a surgeon, those are absolutely incredible. And I do not have the uh, inherent skill set to, to pursue those career paths. But being a generalist, I mean, you, you do need both, you need generalists and specialists to succeed in this world. And, you know, I felt very lucky leaving college to have an opportunity to pursue uh, a pathway in both documentary film and, climbing.
0: That is such a good, I've never thought about it in that way of the generalist versus specialist side of things. Cause I think a lot of founders, I mean, I definitely felt that I actually am a video producer. And so I didn't, I just started getting into it and I didn't really know exactly if I had everything that it would take to be a producer, but it's so true that I feel like so many different things that I've learned throughout my life encompass this. And I was going to ask you what skills you've taken from producing to being a founder, but I feel like you just <laughs> already answered my question, <laughs> but that is really awesome. So were, I know that climbing had a role to play in the founding of Cadence because when you're traveling and when you were climbing, you wanted an easier way, a sustainable way to hold your skincare, hold your vitamins. When did you really have the idea for Cadence? Yeah, I'd love to hear like the first Eureka idea.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I had this experience where I was on a rock climbing trip in West Virginia, and I am someone who has a very robust skincare and supplement routine. And I had packed this Coat bag full of products, full size products that I had pulled off my bathroom shelf, and I walked into the bathroom feeling very self-conscious and incredibly high maintenance. You know, in this outdoor community, everyone feels like you should be a minimalist and you don't need cleanser. Just you know, wash your face with water. And I very much you know was trying to get out of there as quick as possible. And two other women came to the bathroom at the same time, and they too had their own giant bags of products with them, and. I started a conversation with them and truly from the time I walked out of the walked into the bathroom and walked out the the light switch had flipped and I was determined that cadence is something that needed to be started. I will say though that cadence is you know 2 years prior to that is is when I started thinking about it. You know, it's not Uh, Something that came to my mind, you know, in that 20 minutes or so, it's something that I had actually struggled with for years. We have beautiful water bottles and hold our water. We spend so much time curating quality items for your clothing or the bag you carry. And yet the, you know, container vessel that is housing my, you know, nice skincare, hair care products is you know, made of poor quality plastic that breaks and leaks and does not reflect my values as a person. And so for years I was scouring the internet, trying to find bottles. You know, I have a video of myself trying to pack carry on only for a trip. And I remember I had tape and I was writing on the tape and the Sharpie, trying to label my products, trying to fill it into little containers I had a very tiny Opening and product is bubbling over and it was an absolute nightmare and mess and I just could not understand why this didn't exist And the answer is that the product that cadence has made is incredibly difficult to make and that is why no one has made it but I'm I'm, That was the beginning of it all.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel your pain I feel like that video that ad that you guys had where you just had somebody squeezing a tube into the typical travel bottles I just felt that on so many levels, that alone was enough to convince me, okay, I just need to invest in Cadence because I was buying those bottles and then I would lose them or I would leave them because you couldn't refill them. You couldn't clean them out. And so I was like, why not buy a quality product instead of spending like $100 over the course of five years on stuff that I don't use anymore? So I definitely, I think that's amazing and congrats for being able to find that and working towards it to achieve what you have today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Is there anything that kind of made you feel like this, what I know you said, like you created Cadence because you needed it. Was there anything that made you be like, okay, I think this idea could really work. Cause I think we all have things that we wish were, were here in the world, but what made this be an idea you really wanted to chase after?
1: You know, I will say that sometimes what gets you really going is when you find someone who feels the same way you do. So at the time I was talking to a a dear, dear friend of mine, we got dinner and I brought up this idea and she was like, that's an amazing idea. And so she, in the very beginning, just started ideating and working on it with me. And, you know, there are people who are meant for different parts of your life and for your business. And, you know, sometimes you just need someone to go, you know what, I agree. And I feel the same way. And like, let's start working on this because I will say, and I wish more people said this starting a business, you know, like we started it. Like, what is that? That just means you like sat in a cafe for five hours and like tried to figure out where to begin. It's not like, you know, a TV show or a movie or what people show on Instagram, it is, you know, you're standing almost, you're like been dropped somewhere uh, in earth and you need to figure out what steps you're going to take, what you think and what you believe in. So it's a incredibly, I would say, intimidating place to start. And so that's why when you just have someone else who feels the same way you do, it can kind of be that extra support system that can really, you know, kick it into gear.
0: For sure. I saw you mention another interview how connecting with other founders was something that was really helpful to you. And I can definitely see how community has played a role in Cadence. I think one of your initial investors was somebody that you met at your climbing gym. And so it's interesting how different communities and networking can really play a part in success. But I would like to go back to what you just said about um, sitting in a cafe for five hours and figuring out where to start. Where did you start with Cadence? What was really your first step?
1: So the first step was really twofold. One, you got to think about brand. And then two, you have to think about product. And so the product, I had no idea what it was going to look like in the very beginning. What I did know is what problems I needed it to solve for me. And so you start parallel pathing that. And then you, on the brand side, start pulling together mood boards, things you're inspired by, things that you wish you had. And you just do a ton of research. You get inspired by what other people are doing great or what you think other people could do better. And it's just something you have to really just dig into. I truly believe that the details are everything. And so digging into the details, spending time, which should be exciting, an exciting beginning period of growth. And then from there, it's finding people who have the specialist skills, as we talked about earlier, who can help you bring things to life. So for us, it was an industrial designer and it was a brand designer. And, you know, you just start working with them and start talking to them and, you know, they help hone, refine, and nail that vision.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting to hear what you need for different businesses. I've talked to beverage beverage business owners and their first course of action and how it really depends on your business, on what you need. But I think brand and your values is something that holds true to no matter what business you run. You might not need an industrial designer, but you probably need someone to help you really decide what makes your brand special and how other people are going to have a personal connection to it. So I'm always curious to kind of hear those beginning things. But talking a little bit about investing in your business. So hiring these people requires capital and something that you guys are have talked about is that you're 100% angel um, investor backed. And so I would love to talk a little bit about investing and how you got started in that and any tips you would have to other people looking to have investors in their business. I know it's a huge question, but we can break it down as we go. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great. So a few initial thoughts.
1: And so first and foremost, the the people who started working with Cadence in the beginning, they're people who fell in love with the vision. And I mean, eventually I said, I just don't have the money to pay you, but can I give you some equity because this is going to be huge. And people either said yes or no. And the people who had, you know, really started working with us said yes. And so I just want to be clear about that because you know, for us, we did not go out and raise around to start. And some people choose to do that, and that's okay. We were very, very scrappy for a very long time. And because we were, you know, we had a team of people who were pretty much making no money, but they believed enough in it to get started. I know that's a big thing to say, right? Well, where do you find those people? You just gotta ask around for talented people. You gotta start working with people and then sell them the vision. And and it's all the things that you believe in internally. You know, it's I could give you a thousand dollars, for example, but if you invested that right now and gave me your time, which is so valuable in the future, this could be worth millions of dollars, right? And so it's about just building good relationships with good and smart, brilliant people. And it's definitely not sexy in the beginning. I remember I mean, my industrial, our incredible engineer, he lived in a van on my driveway for six months as we prepared to launch. So that's how we started. In terms of getting investment, when we went to get investment at that point in time, you know, I worked more than two jobs. I had self-funded to that point in time because I did not come from the startup world. And I like to emphasize that because startups should not be reserved for people who have You know, come up in the traditional pathways of perhaps the financial sector um, or even other startups. But what it did require is hustling a little bit more to prove that we knew what we're doing. And so I quit my full-time job at that point in time where we had that brand vision. We had the industrial designs and specs of the product. And what we needed was money to go into manufacturing. And so the things and the tactical things that I did, and I always love to share, is you know one i reached out to anyone in my network asking if they had any investors or investment or people in the startup space they could connect me to again meeting other founders anyone in that world is always helpful two is i searched skinmore investor on linkedin like truly that tactical and i would reach out to anyone who had gone to my university and I would ask them for a conversation. Can you give me advice? Can you make a connection? What do you think? And so, you know, you're, all, you're always surprised. The people who you think are maybe going to invest or support, maybe they don't. But the people who you meet randomly through a connection end up being the people who end up most invested or investing or being able to connect you with someone. And so it requires an incredible amount of relentlessness. There are certainly times that were incredibly tough, where you feel dejected. And, you know, Cadence, for example, is an incredibly white place, White space. There's nothing else like it. And that scares some people. But we had a lot of founders invest in the end. And the, the trick there is founders are the visionaries, right? They're the people who can see that ultimate goal. And so we just needed to have that unlocked. We had been going to, you know, more traditional firms, people who maybe hadn't been founders and so when we finally entered this community of founders recommending other founders it was incredible because you had a beautiful conversation and then they would you know say hey i'm happy to help or i'm happy to invest and so you know i think sharing these tactical things is always so important because when i was raising my first round which was you know just something that i'd never done before you know you hear investors say they only want warm outreaches Or you know you should raise a friends and family round first. All things that if you can do it, that's great. But it it kind of blocks off opportunity for people who can't raise a friends and family round because they don't come from that background. You know, I my family would have absolutely loved to have supported me in that way. It's just not possible. They supported me in many many other ways, and so you know, I, I, I really do believe you can make it happen. It just requires an extra level of hustle and people make it sound easy. They make it sound like they raise millions of dollars all the same time. And oftentimes that is just PR condensing a bunch of different rounds together to make it sound smooth and easy and digestible. But you know, it's, it's not usually how that shakes out.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That is so, I think for people that have never invested or have never asked people to invest in their business, it can seem kind of scary, I think especially because it's harder for women, harder for people of color to receive investment. And so it can kind of feel like boys club or whatever you want to call it, Some not really as accessible for all people. So I think it's really nice to have you kind of clear, share some of your insights to it. Was there anything in your reach out that you felt like really worked for you? Do you feel like it was just like networking or meeting random people that like was the most beneficial or anything in like an email that really got people's attention? It's okay. There's nothing specific, but be curious.
1: I would say short and sweet, short and sweet. People are getting bombarded all the time with like long marketing emails or people asking them for things. And so I found that if I would say reaching out to an investor, it would be something like, Hi. So lovely to, I'm going off the top of my head here. So lovely to actually scratch that. I wouldn't say lovely an investor. No, I would say, hi, great to connect via LinkedIn. Big fan of your investment strategy. I see you invested in, you know, Billy, Third Love and Merit. I am founder of a CPG business in the, um, you know, d 2 c space. Would love to pick your brain for 20 minutes at a time that's convenient for you or take you out for a cup of coffee. Let me know your availability. Should this be of interest to you? Like, it is so important to be incredibly polite. Keep it short. 15 minutes. Would love to pick your brain. You know, that's an easy ask versus... Hey, here's a paragraph or two paragraphs about my business that someone's going to look at that and immediately just be like, I just, you know, they're going to get distracted, they're going to get pulled into something and so short and sweet. And I also recommend that reaching out to founders. Again, building your founder network is so so important. When founders reach out to me for advice, the best thing I do is I connect them to each other. Sometimes you just got to sit next to someone in a coffee shop week after week and be cranking together. I, I did that um, back in the day and it makes it feel like you're not alone because at that point in time, you might not have a team. It might just be you. And so it feels like you're you're in it with someone. And so the same thing applies to founders. I would reach out to other founders in the space you want to learn from and say, hey, I'm such a fan of your business. I am sure you're so busy, but if you have 15 minutes, I would love to pick your brain. I'm an up and coming founder and would love any opportunity to get your advice. Like I am, will be available at your convenience. Like please send over some times if that works like short, short, even shorter than I said and and sweet.
0: Okay. That was amazing. I know you were just going completely off the top of your head, but that was so helpful. I feel like that could be the end of our podcast and our listeners would get enough. (laughs) Awesome. Well, cool. I just wanted to kind of glaze a little bit over investing um and after that kind of talk a little bit about your growth so you guys have been featured in a lot of publications you've gotten in stores like online stores like goop what was was that an investment you made in like a pr person or marketing your instagram is amazing there's so much we can talk about but (laughs) i would love to kind of hear the best investments you made in your marketing strategy you know
1: if i was advising someone on
0: where to spend a small, small budget if
1: they have a budget at all in the very beginning when they started. I would say spend time just posting on Instagram, building your organic community, make videos for your Instagram. It drives more eyeballs. And in doing that practice, you really understand who you are. Because people know, people are smart. They land on your website or your Instagram and they know whether there's heart or authenticity behind it. And I will say we spend a lot of time over every single thing we put out there. (laughs) I think probably other people would think we're crazy, but to me, it's like, it has to be authentic. It has to feel thoughtful. And so I would say spend time, be thoughtful, build who you are because don't build so quickly that you lose who you are. So spend time on organic social. So Instagram, TikTok, in terms of PR. In the very beginning, we did all PR outreach. Again, people are really amazing and really kind if you just reach out to them like a person. So if you're a founder, like just start seeing what articles are out there that you'd like to be in. Find out that person's name. You can see their name on who wrote the article. Find them on LinkedIn. See if you can find their email online. Probably just message them on LinkedIn. That's the most straightforward way. And Say, hey, I love this article you wrote. I would love to send you a sample of my product if you, know, you would be open to receiving it. And you know, I hope you're having a, a lovely day. So we did all PR outreach in the very beginning. I don't think it makes sense to invest in something when you're in the very beginning, unless you're super well-funded. And then in terms of you know marketing, I will say when we launched um, Facebook and Instagram were incredibly efficient for us. It took a few months to figure out what worked. Um, we did work with an outside agency to help us do the paid media buying. And that's what I would recommend for anyone. You have to find yourself like a small, great agency. If anyone needs a recommendation, you can email me personally. I will send you to, to ours who we worked with from day one when we were spending almost nothing to now, and we are spending quite a lot more, but Facebook and Instagram due to iOS changes right now are not what they used to be. So I would say Running ads through TikTok is honestly probably the most profitable thing that you could invest in at, at the moment as an early new brand and if you can afford it, send samples of your products to creators and influencers and with no ask, you know you just want to build that genuine love and word of mouth and that's what we found has been quite successful for us as well.:
0: Amazing. you are just giving so many amazing sound bites I'm like thinking <laughs> through, for everything that I'm going to share in the bio for this podcast episode, but I thank you for sharing deep diving into marketing and telling us more about your business. And now I would just love to focus on you and talk a little bit about how you run your day today and how you balance being Steph and being a founder, because it's not easy to not let it take over your entire life. So can you give us a little run through of your day? Oh boy. Weekday for you. (laughs)
1: I know my calendar, my crazy calendar, because <laughs> um, it's up on my monitor. But, um, you know, what I've learned, I well, let me start off by saying my days are sometimes insane and crazy and all over the place. But what I've learned over time is how to, you know, cadence, solve calm common control, right? That's our, our mission. And so now my mission is to how do I infuse that into other parts of my life, right? And so, Small tactical things that have helped me is I block off two and a half hours every morning and I literally call it my allotted time of the day to do deep thinking (laughs) and I block it off and I go on Slack and I put my status as doing deep work. Call me if emergency, that way people can reach me if they need me, if the house is on fire for any reason. But other than that, our whole leadership team does this because Sometimes you're just getting pulled in, you're supporting other people, and then you'll end the day and go, did I I do anything today? What did I get done? And so having two and a half hours to actually execute on something that requires that deep work and flow and focus is incredible. And then I have a time that says available time for meetings from 12 to one, which is put time here, team, if you need me for anything. And that way they respect a lot of time of deep work can pop other time elsewhere on the calendar and so i found that to be super helpful i've shifted over time from being very much a night person i used to before launch stay up till like four in the morning quite constantly if not pull all-nighters and now i do not do that anymore um it's not good when you're tired and exhausted in that capacity so my gift to myself has been seven hours of sleep every night um, unless there is something absolutely urgent that requires less and I do my best to now wake up on the early side um, so that I can focus focus at the start of the day so sleep has been a get a big gift to myself, and you know at this point in time, I do try and take most of Saturday off. It was not always like that in the beginning, but I have found that I mean, it sounds so obvious when you say it out loud, but when you're working seven days a week for years and years and years back to back, you start not loving the things that you actually love to do. Like you just need that time to just refresh and rejuvenate and you will be so much more productive. And I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that because if I gave myself any time off. I would feel like I should be spending this on the business and you know, it's is isn't. It's a marathon, not a sprint is the, the best soundbite I could get for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that it's hard when you're in the business world and you feel like any minute you're not working on your business is a minute wasted. But it's so true that the 30 minutes of extra sleep you get or going on a walk in the middle of the day and getting your blood flowing, that can end up coming back to you twofold in how motivated you are, how productive you are how many good ideas you have. So I think that I am always curious to hear how founders balance that. But a little bit more of a fun question. You mentioned your skin care routine and your skin is glowing. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I always love talking about wellness because that's what we're really big on here. And I'm wondering when you go on a trip or you have to take your skin care routine somewhere, what are you filling your capsules with?
1: Oh my goodness, we'll be here forever. I have like 30 <laughs> capsules that I fill. But
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Let's see. Well, I have two cleansers. I use the Strasia um, milk cleanser. And then I also use another cleanser that really helps get off makeup and your first layer. Um, I use a toner that I take cotton pad and I can use the capsule to flip. I will put the cotton pad over the capsule and do a flip motion. Um, and it's so easy. And so I do that for my toner Then I have um, multiple capsules for different serums, depending on whether I'm going somewhere hot or cool, and depending on what my skin will need. And then, of course, moisturizer then retinol, then my different face masks, again, whether I need moisture or something exfoliating. And then what else do I carry in my capsules? I mean, so many things, a lot of supplements I always have. Advil, I have my immunity supplements with oregano in it, my allergy medication. And so my supplement capsules are its own its own island if you will. And then I have capsules for my jewelry as well. But, you know, I have to say that it is so nice to be able to trust the thing that you are putting your products in. And that's something that I didn't have until we created Cadence and you know, I will invest in clean skincare, I invest in good skincare that is right for me. I'm constantly evolving it. And so um, you know, being able to truly pack for a trip quickly is also so much faster because the capsules in a way act as your packing list, which is really nice. So you don't forget anything essential. I also, now that I remember it, I put my lip balm in the capsules. I also put my I use toothpaste bites and I put those in the capsule as well. So Pretty much carry anything that can fit in there inside the the capsules.
0: Okay, that is amazing. And also so good to know for the toner. I always struggle because my toner always fills when I travel with it. Oh but the cotton pad. Okay, that I will that yes. something I used for my next trip. Um, <laughs> okay I just had to pick your brain on that for a little bit because I love I could be obsessed with we could have a whole episode on your wellness routine and everything sure. you fill your capsules with amazing well i wanted to kind of finish up talking a little bit about what you're excited for if there's anything that is on the horizon for cadence um, obviously don't to tell us any trade secrets but <laughs> if you have anything that you're wanting to share i would love to hear
1: oh my goodness well we always love meeting incredible people who could join the team we are growing the team quickly but very thoughtfully at the same time, we take it very seriously. And so if anyone is excited to work with a startup and wants to reach out, whether it works out now or later, I always encourage people to reach out. We love meeting innovative, creative, and kind people.
0: Amazing. I actually did see that on your LinkedIn when I was doing my pre-podcast stalking. <laughs> but that's exciting. I was going to ask you, how many team members do you have right now?
1: So right now we're a team of 25. Um, about 10 of the 25 are in our internal fulfillment center in upstate New York. So they're incredible and they run all things fulfillment and printing on the capsules. So they're wonderful. And then everyone else is, you know, working at our virtual HQ.
0: Well, I think we pretty much honestly covered everything I wanted to go over. You had such great answers and we're an amazing guest. I finish up most of my episodes by asking if what you would tell yourself in that moment in those early moments of building your business where maybe you didn't know it would work or you had something fall through that you thought was going to be a make or break. Now that you are in the place you are today, what would you say to that younger version of you?
1: I, I, I use this a lot with the team, which is, you know, when you're on a hike and you see a beautiful view, you know, there's those like little pathways. You can like walk off the side of the hike and there's this beautiful view. And I think a lot of the time you're wondering, is this the top? Is this like the overlook that I have been hiking towards And then you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. And then you keep going. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that was the top. This is so gorgeous. And so it's that same feeling when things go wrong or or things are hard is you're like, oh my God, this is, this is devastating. Or this is harder than I thought. And you know, it's the same exact thing, which is like, just keep truly the best thing you can do is just keep walking because no doubt you will, Reach a more beautiful view and overlook, and and look back and go. You know, I don't, I don't know why I was worried about that, or you know, I can't believe that felt so tough at the time. So you will get through it and past it if you just keep on walking.
0: That was amazing. I feel like we wrapped everything up with a bow with the climbing reference too. <laughs> um, but that is really nice. I think a lot of founders, a lot of our listeners are founders, and they're definitely in the beginning stages of their business, and so it can be tough to think, am I really going to make make it to the end of this? So that is great advice. And I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been really fun to just pick your brain and learn a little bit more about behind the scenes of cadence and behind the scenes of being you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's
1: been a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate the such thoughtful questions.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Unstrictly Business. Want to learn more about how you can create a successful business of your own? Visit our website, dowelldepartment.com. Dowell, D E P T.com. See you next week!